Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Now, not everything in life is simple. Sometimes God makes things very simple. When he says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call, I'll say it again, heaven and earth to record this day. This is a permanent record. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. It's up to you. That thou and thy seed may live. Now, some things are very simple, especially in the area of the choice that Ireland is facing in the next 100 days. And I'm grieved. I mean, I, <clears throat> I can't believe I have to preach about uh, the value of human life. I can't believe it's not something that's just wired into a woman, wired into a man. And I say I don't say that I'm grieved that I have to preach again because Ireland's having this debate again. How many times do we have to decide to not allow abortion here? Ireland does not need, nor does it want another referendum on abortion. And even if it did, it is still wrong to try to legislate the termination of an innocent life that is growing in the protective womb of its mother. How do you come to the place where we are at? And I say I grieve because the culture of death, what I thought was not possible to be any worse, I'm grieved that the culture of death permeates our culture beyond my wildest imagination. It's in the computer games, the, what do they call the, um, you're, 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 you're the shooter, and, and all you do is you go around and you shoot anything from zombies to aliens to, to normal men and women. You go and you rob cars, and you carjack, and you drive them through L.A., and you smash, and you crash into Garda and police, and culture of death. Modern book subjects are all about anger and about death, and about hatred. The movies, the music, just, just the research. You ought to look up the number and the massive number of attempted suicides that are going on in 21st century Western Europe. And top it all off, today we have doctors who are TDs, who are standing up as government officials, and they are pushing for the right to devalue the life of another human being in favor of the minority few loudmouth, angry voices demanding to terminate the life of the unborn. I don't doubt that many of the women are hurting. This is not an issue of whether we have compassion or not. 
I grieve with the stories that, that people experience and that people can tell till the cows come home. I grieve for them, but I grieve more for the next generation who if we don't help settle this thing, they will never hold the value of an unborn life when it infringes on their lifestyle. The next generation is no hope if we don't hold the line a little bit here. I hope you already know the value of life when it comes to the unborn and that you believe God is the God of life. But I know that through the weight of the constant barrage of the problems of our lives, and the constant aggressive propaganda of the media. I've watched people retreat to the notion that we all just need to let each other do our own thing. That's where we're at. God says, choose a side. And it matters which side you choose, amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Uh, <clears throat> we have nothing in comparison to the money and the, the media and the push that is once again sweeping this country like a, like a hurricane. But if God be for us, if we just were right with you, who can be against us? So Lord, we're not gonna look at our numbers even though we'd like to say that we are in the majority. We're not going to look at the logic because it is very irrational to try to justify the termination of an innocent life. God, we just want to take some time this morning and listen to you. That's what I'd rather. Sick and tired of listening to Marilyn Fanukin. Sick and tired of listening to RTE and Sky and air, the whole world commenting on the Irish vote. I'd like to listen to you. I pray that you would give us some some answers, some help. There's no judgment. That's your job. But there is right and there is wrong. So help us, Lord, this morning to hear you and let it help us to keep the course and to know what must be chosen as a nation, as a society, and as Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. I think abortion is one of the most awful words ever invented. There was no word for abortion in 1817 in the Irish language. The first time the word that was, and I can't pronounce these words, forgive me, but in, in 1904, there was a word that was applied to abortion, and it's a, it's a word that basically meant to destroy. Now there's a modern word, I can't pronounce that one either, I tried to remember, but abortion has become sort of a word that, that, ha that has its own meaning. It doesn't mean, I like the one from, from uh, 1904 that said destroy. But it's an awful word no matter what language it's in. Seriously, abortion means the purposefully, to purposefully terminate the life of an unborn child. That's what it means. It's not an accidental death. If a child dies in his mother's womb, it is called a miscarriage. It's an accident. It's something, an act of God. It's something that, that just happened. Nobody caused it. There's grief. There's sorrow over the loss of a child, but it is not terminated. It's not killed. It's a miscarriage. But when it is ended by a physician, it is an abortion. 
Now, almost, um, <clears throat> almost 60 million unborn babies have died at the hands of abortionists over the United States since 1973. I, I can't comprehend that. 20 million over in the UK since the 1960s. Russia murders a million a year. Besides the fact that they, million, they murdered 30 million Georgians <laughs> in, in southern Russia there after World War I. And <laughs> anyway, murderous people. China doesn't even report their count of abortions. But the truth is, almost a billion tiny babies are gone in the 20th century alone. That's horrendous. Now, it's not something that's new. In all cultures, and all nations, and all people, people have always struggled with the responsibilities of being a parent. It has never been easy, amen? Any of you ever find it? Uh, Darlene, is it easy being mommy? She is violently shaking her head. No. <laughs> there, is no, there is no culture. I think that we have a very good culture. I think the Western world has taken care of mommy and made it very easy to be a mommy, but it's never been easy. Some women have sought in this day and age, and, and for all times, so I don't know, just say this, some women have sought some very specific herbs that are out there to try and terminate their pregnancies throughout history. Some have used very harsh methods on themselves. The desire to terminate an unwanted pregnancy didn't end at birth, by the way. 2,000 years ago, Greeks and Romans would often take their unwanted or sickly children out to the surrounding hillside and would leave them overnight to be eaten by the wolves and taken care of. So abortion wasn't just something they did before birth. When they had a child that they didn't want or a child that was sickly or a child that was Down syndrome, they would take it up to a hill somewhere or some forest and leave it and come home. That's been going on a long time. In Moses' day, would you take your Bible, go to Exodus now. You're in Deuteronomy, go left. In Moses' day, the government, by the way, not the people. Can we make something really clear? This is not by the people. This is not about what people want. This is about what an evil Irish government wants. That just 10 years ago, all three major parties said no to abortion. Now they've changed their mind. I don't trust government. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. <clears throat> In Moses' day, the government had the power to demand the slaughter of all male children at birth. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not a godly young man named Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, this people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. They've got more votes than we do. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. We like having them. Our, our minions, our slaves, we like having control over their lives. And they might just get the idea that they can live without us. Verse 11, therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. They, the government, were grieved because of the children of Israel. 
And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, they made, with, with harshness. They, they made them work harder and harder, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Don't you tell me your life is hard. These people were forced to live in slavery, to build and to sacrifice their lives, to build cities for the Pharaoh. Their lives were bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made their, them serve was with rigor or with, with force. Verse 15, and the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, and it's coming here. Well, Leo Varadkar and everybody in government will say to a midwife, you're going to have to help that lady get an abortion. You're going to have to encourage that woman to take an abortion. You're going to have to help her know that she doesn't have to carry that life. The king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall become an abortionist. You shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then you shall live. Now, in some cultures, if it's a daughter, they kill them. Funny, designer life. Never like that. Never like that. I like how it says this. 17, but the midwives feared who? We need some doctors in Ireland who, Ireland who don't fear politics and don't fear Leo and don't fear anything but God, and they come out on the TV and say, I didn't vote for this. I'm not for slaughtering the innocents. Amen. We need some doctors like that. They feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. Do you know how, do you know how many Moseses have been slaughtered out of that billion people who have disappeared? Do you know how many people who could have cured incurable diseases? Do you know how many people have been slaughtered because somebody didn't value the life of the unborn? How about in Jesus' day? The government demanded the slaughter of two-year-old children and younger because they perceived those children a threat. Say, I've already got six kids. Another one, well, that's a threat. We can't, we, we, we can't go on two holidays. <laughs> a threat to our lifestyle. How many of you remember the story of after Jesus was born, Herod sent his men in to slaughter all the children in the surrounding area that were two years old and younger? How many remember that? Let's go there. If you don't remember, go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13. This is right after the, the wise men have come and brought their gifts. And when those wise men have departed, verse 13, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Rise, arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee, run for your life into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Question, who's Herod? He's the government. Do you know the purpose of the Constitution is not to give you rights? The purpose of the Irish Constitution is to protect you from the government and to enshrine your rights to life, to protect your rights from whether it's the government or your neighbor or your mother. Amen. Verse, uh, verse 13, I'm oh, sorry, verse 12, and, oh, where am I? Verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and he was there until the death of Herod. 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord in the Old Testament by the prophet saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. And he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet. We'd say Jeremiah saying in Ramah, was there a voice heard? Lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel, speaking of all the women, because they were, that was where Rachel died. Rachel weeping for her children and, could, and would not be comforted because they're not. The desire to terminate an unwanted pregnancy didn't end at birth. Some people say these are unwanted children. They're a threat to the government. They're a threat to the kingdom. Slaughter them even after birth. It seems that people in power love to control populations and slaughter innocent children when it suits them. You get that? I have to give you some unbelievable quotes. A, um, this, is a, this is a good quote, but it's a good quote. It's written by a, a very good book called Personhood, A Pragmatic Guide to Pro-Life Victory in the 21st Century by Daniel Becker. He said this, the problem is too many people see the child in their womb as nothing more than a blob of reproductive tissue. That's the problem. But an ungodly woman named Katha Pollitt said this, in the end, abortion is an issue of fundamental human rights. And oh boy, do I agree with that. I wish she'd stop there. To force, and always watch this word because it will appear throughout all of the pro choice in the pro-abortion literature to force women to undergo pregnancy. I have, to, I have to contemplate to force women to undergo pregnancy and childbirth against their will is to deprive them of the right to make basic decisions about their lives and well-being and give that power to the state as if the state protecting life is evil. By the way, I gladly give power to the state to protect life. I deny state the right to take life. Amen? Another one. This one was written by, or this one was said by Hillary Clinton. We're always going to argue about abortion. It's a hard choice and it's controversial. And that's why I'm pro-choice. Because I want people to make their own choices. I mean, there's nothing more convoluted than a Clinton. It's complicated. It's hard choice. That's why I want everybody to make it. What? That doesn't make sense to me. You know, here's another one. Here's an American judge named Potter Stewart. He says, abortion is inherently different from all other medical procedures because no other procedure involves the purposeful termination of a potential life. Now, he didn't believe that it was wrong to abort. He just says, it's different because we're terminating a potential life. Now, I believe it is alive. How many believe the baby in, in uh, um, Darlene's womb is alive? Not potentially alive. But you know, that judge made a conclusion. He says, you know, this is medicine that's different than all other forms of medicine. Are you with me? because it terminates potential life. 
Now somebody, and I read so many what ifs that would make you sick. Well, what if a woman got pregnant because she was raped or because of incest? What if a woman doesn't want her unborn child? What if the pregnancy is hurtful to the mental health of the mother? Talk to my mother. We're not going there. What if, what if another child would put too much stress upon the family and the financial situation? What if the unborn child will have Down syndrome? Just look at that picture for a minute. What if the unborn child won't live very long outside of the womb? What if the unborn child is endangering the very life of the mother? Those are the most common what ifs. Now, people are being falsely told some things. I'm going to try to correct it this morning. Number one, an unborn baby is said to be not human and therefore not afforded any rights. None. That's what people are being told. Secondly, a woman should be allowed to do with her body what she sees fit. It is her body, and that settles it. Not having access to abortion in Ireland infringes on the human rights of women in Ireland, and it goes against international human rights norms. The lie being told is that abortions are usually for very good reasons. Here too. The right to abortion is vital for gender equality. I can't get there. And another one, the right to abortion is vital for individual women to achieve their full potential. Those are good reasons. Not having access to abortion in Ireland denies women needed access to basic health care. It forces women to travel overseas to, an to obtain an abortion. They say this, banning abortion puts women at risk by forcing them to use illegal means and dangerous abortion pills. It's against health care. Public opinion in Ireland is in favor, is in favor of abortion. That's a lie. And the biggest one that's come up lately is that doctors are now in favor of providing abortion. It was on the front page of the Irish Examiner. Believe me, these guys are fake news. They had to put a retraction in a small little section of their paper a few days later because they were pushed and pushed and pushed. But they said 75, that's a lot of doctors, doesn't it? 75% of doctors support a 12-week access to abortion. That is a lie. It was a small poll. Anybody, I could have got on there and said, sure. There was no qualifications. Are you a real doctor? Actually, they even come up here and says, a poll of 400 medics. You could be a, a, a nurse. You could be, I don't know, if you were an orderly. I have no idea. All I know is that is a lie. Doctors are not, and I believe with all my heart, doctors are not behind this thing. And the last one is women will carry out abortions anyway. Well, did you know, in, uh, let me say this, in 2014, on average, 10 women traveled from Ireland to Britain every day. They're going to do it. 
Let me tell you the truth. Number one, an unborn child is human life from the moment of conception. Did you know in 1973 when America, I, I don't have all the things for the UK and for France and other things, but in 1973 when they made a decision that a woman had a right to abortion, they had no sonograms. They couldn't see the face of a child smiling in the womb. At conception, did you know a baby's gender, eye color, hair color, facial features, number of fingers and toes, skin color, and general height have all been settled from that magical moment on. By day 25, it's not even one month old, the heart is pumping, the brain is formed, the eyes have appeared, and the face is distinctly human. All the fingers and toes are fully formed and growing just after six weeks. Perfect little fingers. At seven weeks, not even two months old, at seven weeks old, that unborn baby can hear and respond to sounds. At eight weeks, your wife is still throwing up. Yet that child is dreaming and has its own way of thinking. They have a fully functional nervous system. Their heart is pumping. They have perfectly formed fingerprints. Fingerprints are already on the end of their fingers at eight weeks. They have their own DNA. has its own blood supply and blood type, totally separate from the mother. At nine weeks, the not-yet-born child is moving and kicking and swimming and bouncing and jumping and playing soccer. <laughs> at 10 to 12 weeks... They respond to pain. At 10 to 12 weeks, doctors sometimes go in and test with an amniocentosis test of the amniotic fluid. And when they have to draw blood, and as soon as they insert that long, evil needle, you know what that child does? He recoils because that child knows pain. All the major organs are functioning. At 21 weeks, a baby can live outside of the womb with just a little help. That's five months, not nine, like poor uh, Darlene is going. <laughs> but at five months, you know, James Elgin Gill of Ottawa, Canada, born, in, born 20th of May, 1987, he was the earliest premature baby in the world yet so far. He was 128 days premature, 128 days early. That's, he was only 21 weeks and five days gestation. He weighed one pound, six ounces, that's 624 grams. You, you put more sugar in your coffee in a week than 624 grams. And he's doing quite well. Since 1987, he's a grown man, married. An American writer named Mary Elizabeth Williams, she wrote an article, So What If Abortion Ends a Life? She wrote, I believe that life starts at conception and it's never stopped me from being pro-choice. She went on to say, here's the complicated reality in which we live. All of life is not equal. A fetus can be a human life without having the same rights as the woman in whose body it resides. You tell me that makes sense. Second fact. An unborn child is completely different than his mother. It's not her body. The baby might be in the woman's body, but it is not the woman's body. An unborn child has the God-given human right to live just like you and I do. 
an equal right, not a lesser right. An unborn child depends upon his mother for protection and should be guaranteed that protection. But that does not deny the right of that unborn to a life. No woman can just do anything she wants with her body anyway. By the way, you say, I believe a woman should be able to do whatever she wants with her body. All right, go into the doctor and say, please cut off that arm. Your doctor will say, I need to schedule an appointment with a counselor. Amen? If you want to cut off a perfectly good arm, well, this arm always gets in the way. When I go to sleep, I put my hands behind my head and go, have you ever, how many of you have ever done that? And you go to sleep and you wake up and you go, whack. And, and you're like, stupid arm, cut it off. <laughs> Try and cut off a good, perfectly good functioning arm or leg and the doctor will schedule you for a counseling. Mental home. <laughs> my point is, well, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. No, you can't. Now, I know you're, you're not too happy with me because I'm a man. You have no right. You have no right. All I know is, is uh, somebody needs to stand up, and I'm glad, I'm glad the pro-life movement has a lot of women who are standing up speaking sense. Don't you expect me to stay silent because I'm a man. Um, who gives human rights? Do you know that baby, that's eight weeks old. That tiny little life. Who gives human rights? The government? Democratic votes? Parliaments? Let me read something to you. In the name of the most holy trinity, from whom was all authority, and to whom, as our final end, all actions, both of men and states, must be referred, we, the people of Irie. What I just quote, the Irish Constitution. From whom is all authority, who gave the right to life? The American Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Here's a fact. If you were to deliberately kill a newborn child a few moments after his or her birth, you would be charged with first-degree murder. But intentionally terminating the life of that same child just a few moments prior to its birth is called a human right. It is not. I think I've read this before, but it's a fictitious letter. But just follow it with me. Written in 2023. January 22nd, 2023. Dear Mom, can you believe it's already the year 2023? I'm still writing 22 on everything. It seems like only yesterday that I was sitting in my first class and celebrating the change to a new century. I know we really haven't chatted since Christmas, Mom, and I'm sorry. Anyway, I have some difficult news to share with you, and to be honest, I really didn't want to call or talk about this face-to-face. -face. But before I get to that, let me report to you that Sean just got a big promotion. And I should be up for a hefty raise this year if I keep putting in all those crazy hours. You know how work is. Little Timmy's been okay at kindergarten although he complains about going. But then he wasn't happy about daycare either. 
So what can we do? But he's, he's really been a real problem, Mom. He's a good kid, but quite honestly, he's an unfair burden on us at this time in our lives. Sean and I have talked this through, and we have finally made a choice. Plenty of other families have made the same choice and really are better off today. <coughs> our counselor is supportive of our, of our choice. She pointed out that the family is a system, and the demands of one member shouldn't be allowed to ruin the whole. She told us to be slow and to consider all the factors as to what is right to make for our family work. She says that even though she probably wouldn't do it herself, the choice is really ours. She was kind enough to refer us to a children's clinic near here, so at least that part is easy. Now, don't get me wrong, Mom. I'm not an uncaring mother. I, I do feel sorry for the little guy. I think, I think Timmy heard Sean and me talking about this the other night. I turned and saw him standing at the bottom of the stairs in his PJs with his little teddy bear that, that you gave him under his arm. And his eyes were kind of welled up with tears. Mom, the way he looked at me just about broke my heart, but I honestly believe this is better for Timmy. It's just not fair to force him to live in a family that can't give him the time and attention he deserves. And please, Mom, don't give me the kind of grief that Grandma gave you over your abortions. It's the same thing, you know. There's really no difference. We've told Timmy he's just going for a vaccination. Anyway, they say the termination procedure is painless. I guess it's just as well that you haven't seen that much of little Timmy lately. Please give my love to Dad. Signed, your daughter. What are we talking about? Little six-year-old Timmy. You couldn't conceive of a mother ever looking at a, at a, a boy in, 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 not even in first year, and conceiving of, I really don't want this child. I want to terminate their life. You couldn't conceive of that. And yet we're conceiving of doing it up until birth. I don't care. Well, right now it's up until 12 weeks. It won't stop there. That letter is going to be written someday. Do you want it written in Ireland? You have, and I have an opportunity to stop that from ever being written here. Who gives human rights? Fourth, there are no good reasons. The abortion crowd says there are good reasons for abortion. Well, let me tell you this. There are no good reasons for abortion. Rape and incest are never justifications for murdering the rapist. Although I could vote for that. <laughs> Anybody else on the same page? 90% of mothers who have discovered that they're going to have, this is a fact, 90% of mothers who have discovered that they're going to have a Down syndrome child abort their Down syndrome unborn child. 90%. The majority of the remaining abortions are by women who don't have a life endangering situation, but they don't want the child. That's it. Most Supreme Courts and High Courts have concluded, are you ready? Most Supreme Courts and High Courts that allow abortion have concluded that, quote, the work of caring for a child can be considered harmful to the mother's health. Every unwanted child is wanted and will certainly be loved by someone else. Amen? There has never been and never will be a time that a child is born that someone else could not be found who would love and raise that child. There will never be a time where there will be, oh, this child is just not wanted. It's not possible. Abortion is not necessary. 
Another fact, abortion is not health care. Never has abortion ever been proven to be needed to save the life of a, of a mother. There are procedures that to save the life of a mother, the child dies, but the procedure does not terminate the life of the child. The procedure saves a life, and the inadvertent result is the child dies. Look, when there's a fallopian tube uh, 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 pregnancy, there are very few, but there's no ever an abortion that saves the life of a mother. By the way, the abortion pre procedure is never, has been proven over. Doctors have said it. There are never, I've said it, needed to save the life of the mother. By the way, number six, present opinion in Ireland is not in favor of abortion. There is loads of confusion, loads of stupid polls. Don't believe a single poll because they don't call me. How many of you had a, a pollster ring you and say, what is your view on abortion? They know who to phone, and they know where to phone. They know what section of Dublin is pro-choice. They know where to call, folks, for their stupid polls. Present public opinion is not in favor of abortion. We're not pushing for abortion. Don't believe the lies that, oh, finally, we're, uh, the, 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 the polls are saying 77%. They're lying. By the way, doctors are not in favor of providing abortions. A majority of those in the medical profession are terrified of coming out against it. We were talking to our neighbor whose daughter is just graduating as a midwife. And she has go, had to go through classes where wicked, wicked professors are preparing them for abortion, preparing them to have to counsel and deal with abortion and abortion doctors in Ireland. And you can't, as if you're going to graduate, you can't go against them. Doctors are not in favor. The pressures in politics are unbelievable on your doctor. You need to go and hug your doctor next time you see him. And pray for him or her. Do you know most of them meant it when they took the Hippocratic Oath? What are the three words of the Hippocratic Oath? Do no harm. Most doctors meant that. Women will carry out abortions anyway. I get sick of that argument. Yes, they will. But that doesn't mean the Eighth Amendment is not necessary to protect as many lives as possible. Amen. Murders are going to happen. Mugs are going to happen. Muggeries, muggeries, mug, muggings. Muggings are going to happen. Thievery is going to happen. Um, lying is going to happen. That doesn't mean that we change the laws to allow that to not be criminalized. Are you kidding Actual quotes from the Rights and Rights, rights Campaign. Are you getting tired of this yet? The abortion rights campaign opposes, here we go, opposes gestational limits because we do not believe there should ever be a time limit on accessing health care. Do you know what that means? That means they're not talking about, we don't, uh, they're not saying that we, uh, 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 that we don't just believe that you should be able to access it up to 12 weeks. We believe there should be no time limit to accessing abortion, which Technically means even after birth, but they wouldn't go that far, would they? There should never be a limit. Women should never be forced into carrying pregnancies they don't want. There's that word forced. Well, I don't believe fathers should be forced to pay the bills either. <laughs> By the way, I shouldn't be forced to pay for your unemployment. And yet here we are. 
Women are forced under the current law to use their bodies as incubators and maintain the life of another. Wow. This is what's in the, the, the literature and in the propaganda that is making 21-year-old feminists on college campuses become angry at, the, uh, at those of us who want to be pro-life. You're making me incubate. Wow. It would be unacceptable. Oh, I love this one. It would be unacceptable if a teenager is forced. See that word showing up everywhere? It would be unacceptable, this is the abortion rights campaign, if a teenager is forced into carrying a pregnancy she does not want because of the wishes of her parents. What? You know, um, don't force a teenager to do anything. And yet they're saying, you know, if the parents are saying, you got yourself into this mess, we're going to carry it all through, and maybe we'll find an adoption, maybe you'll decide to keep it, but you're not terminating, you can't force me. What? Abortion should be available wherever a woman asks for one, especially if a woman feels unable to raise a child. I'm glad my mother didn't choose to abort simply because she felt unable to raise some thick-headed kids. You know, it, it, if, we start, if we start moving the goalpost and just about what is it to me if you get in my way, do you see where that's going? If you are infringing on my rights, if you are upsetting me, if you are offending me, if you are not making my area safe, if you are not understanding me. Guess where we're at? That's where we live today. Everybody is offended and upset and, 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 and oh, I don't know if I could say some words, uh, but they're all snowflakes. Let me just go there. And because a baby's causing a problem, get rid of it. Whew, don't give Abortionist guns. Because <laughs> they'll use them on us if we get in their way also. A living, this is cruel. A living, breathing, grown woman with thoughts, emotions, feelings, and memories is considered equal in rights to a fetus which is up to 10 weeks and is no bigger than a grape. I can see the writer just making me equal with a creature that is no bigger than a grape. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You know, God's got a word on the life in the womb. Let me just say right off the bat, God is pro-life. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 1 and then verse 4. In the beginning was the word. Speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. God is pro-life. Find Psalms 139. Psalm 139 and verse 13. 
And you know these scriptures, I hope. David is writing this, and he's looking back at a time that he can't remember, but he knows that God is pro-life. Look at verse 13. He says, For thou hast possessed my reins, like a horse, you've possessed my life. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. So who put the baby in the womb? Not a stork, not an accident, but you covered. Now that word covered means protected, like a hen. Jesus says, uh, um, how many times would I have taken you under my wing and covered you? But you would not. You know what that unborn baby does? That unborn baby unknowingly is trusting in the covering that mother, David says, you know what, God, you covered, you protected me there. You put me in there as a place of protection. Keep going in verse um, 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and accidentally made. Wonderfully made. I like the word fearfully, which means don't mess with me. I'm fearfully made. I'm like TNT. You mess with me and it, 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 it affects things for generations. I had a neighbor when I was about 15 years old, and this little and, and, and there's a little boy, uh, probably about eight or nine years old. I was about 15. He's na this neighborhood kid was was great until Dad came home. And when Dad came home, I heard some of the most vile. I cannot repeat what he was so comfortable with calling that little boy. He called him excrement at every chance. My little excrement. Why'd you make this mess over here? You know, I never wanted you anyway. You know, I wish you were dead. That's what that little boy heard while, for a year while he lived next to us. I don't, I don't understand that. No, I don't either. I just know that it affected, I can guarantee you, that kid is messed up. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And that, look what he says. That my soul knoweth right well. I know very well. Verse 15, my substance was not hid from thee, even though other people couldn't see me forming. You saw me when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. The most secret parts of all of the life here on this earth is in the womb. And yet thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written. You, you recorded everything about me. It's called D. N A, which in continuance were fashioned, always growing, when as yet there was none of them from the start, when there was no fingers, no hands, no feet, no toes, no chins. That was a joke. <laughs> when there was none of them, you had them already all written down in the DNA. Verse 17, how precious are now thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. God is pro-life. John chapter 10, John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, and get this, to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. Who said that? And that they might have it more abundantly. I am, verse, 13, uh, verse uh, 11, I am the good shepherd, 
and the good shepherd giveth his life. You know, if I, if, if um, oh, let's see, not Bill, let's see somebody, uh, if Dean is dying on a operating table over at CUH, both kidneys failed. Somebody knocks on my door and says, we're taking your kidney. Without my permission, that would be wrong, wouldn't it? But it'd be awesome. Better pray that I do. If I said, I'll give a kidney, amen? Of my own free will, right? Amen. That's love, isn't it? No greater love than when Jesus Christ gave his life. He says, no man takes it from me. I lay it down freely. That's love. So when it comes to abortion, and you say, it was a little bit hard, yeah. We've got, we don't have a problem with abortion. We have a problem with a heart, amen? Somebody has lost the concept of real love. God is pro-life so much so that he stepped down into human flesh and he says, I'll take your place. I'll give my life for you. God is pro-life. Secondly, Christian worldview is harmless toward other human life. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 verse 14. Philippians 2 14. This is a good teenager verse. <laughs> it actually is good for all of us. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. No arguing. Philippians 2.15 now. That ye may be blameless. And what's the next word? I like that word. That you would be blameless and harmless. You're the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you ought to what? Shine as lights in the world. The Christian worldview is harmless toward other human life. Luke chapter 9. Gospel of Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. <clears throat> and it came to pass, 9.51. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. Jesus is headed down to Jerusalem. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. And they went and they entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. He was only going to stay overnight and go on his way. He wasn't going to heal anybody. He wasn't going to minister. He wasn't going to feed anybody. And they got mad. And they said, we don't want him here. Verse 53. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, can we abort them? Look at what they say. Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? We even have scripture for it. <laughs> wow. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you're of. You don't know where you got that thought. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy, abort, terminate men's lives, but to what? And they went to another village. He found another Samaritan village that would take him in. But that one, no. And how close they came to be in. And really, I think both James and John could have called down fire. But you see, Jesus is trying to teach, we're harmless, folks. Strike us on the cheek, what do we do? Turn the other cheek. We believe in self-denial and self-sacrifice for the weak, the firm, and the small. 
I think some of us still believe that we ought to let women and children go first, like they did on the Titanic. Amen? Christians are supposed to honor the weaker vessels. We carry one another's burdens. Amen? You find out somebody's going through a hard time, you put 20 euros in their, in their hand or 50 euros, whatever they need. You find out somebody is, is stuck on the side of the road, you pull over, you stop, and you help them. Take your own time out. That's what a Christian does. Those are all revolutionary ideas when you compare it to the self-centered, selfish, narcissistic, evolutionary survival of the fittest thinking of modern men and women and teenagers. Luke 18. You're in Luke chapter 9. Look at Luke 18, verse 15. Luke 18, 15. And they brought unto him also teenagers. Same thing. Anyway, now, look at that word. What does infant mean? Tiny little people. <laughs> they brought unto him also infants that he would touch them. And when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me. Forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God is like, a little child just trusting. Can you imagine? A three-week-old, three-month-old, three-year-old, how trusting they are of their parents, how trusting they are of the Garda, how trusting they are of the doctor. Amen. Can you imagine growing up in a, in a state where a little boy grows up and he finds out the same doctor that's given him that vaccine is the same doctor that aborted his sister? God is pro-life. And we're supposed to be harmless. And we believe in sacrifice in ourselves. Acts 20, let me just read it. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands, Paul said, have ministered unto my necessities. I've taken care of my needs and also ministered to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring, you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. He said, I've worked hard to take care of my needs and others. That's a Christian way. I'm not out for me. Go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. Romans 15, 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the... and not to please ourselves. You know... I'm, I'm, I'm glad for anybody, I'm glad for an atheist who stands up for the human right of an unborn child. Amen. But if anybody ought to stand up for the human right of an unborn child, there ought to be us who believe these scriptures. That we ought to support the weak. That we ought to care enough to bear the infirmities, bear the weaknesses, the sicknesses, and not to please ourselves. And that'll be the hardest thing you'll ever do. Because you've got plans, you've got careers, you got, and somebody says, well, I, I'm, I'm only 22 years old and I'm pregnant. Go back to Romans 15.1. Amen. Because we believe in the priority of the weak. So when does God say human life begins? Hmm. When does it begin? In medical language, when you fuse the sperm and the egg, you come up with something called a zygote. And then after that, after it's gone through a little bit of growth, it becomes a blastocyst. This is all medical terms, folks. Not Bible, but I just want to show you something. After it's grown a little bit more, it becomes a morula. I never knew that term anywhere, a morula. 
Beyond that, it becomes an embryo. Not embryo, but embryo. <laughs> I wish I miss embryo. An embryo. That's what they thought. Well, there's an embryo in you. After that, after a little while, it becomes a fetus. I hate that word. And only after birth is it scientifically correct to use the word baby. You know what? God has different, God has different uh, things. Go to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. I'm almost done. Did I say almost? We ought to take a break and have a cup of tea, right? We're going to finish. Isaiah 49 and verse 1. Listen, O Isles. What is Ireland? An island. It's written to us. Listen, O Isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. The Lord hath called me from where? He talked to me. From the bowels of my mother hath he been mentioned of my name. Before I ever was breathing, God named me. I was talking to somebody. Who is it we were talking to? He says, have you got a, uh, you got a name yet? Who is it we were just talking about? And said, oh, it was, can we say? Remember the couple we were just with? Probably be that. I can't, anyway. Uh, I hate that. Said, Don't tell anybody. Anyway. They said, do you have a boy's name? Do you have a girl's name? You know how you go through that thing for the next nine months of torture trying to decide on a name? You know, God knew Isaiah's name before he was ever, ever out of the womb. Jeremiah chapter 1, next book, Isaiah, then comes Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. The word of the Lord, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly. Wait a minute. Who formed Jeremiah? Oh, I thought it was just evolutionary progress. No. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I set you apart for a purpose. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That blows me away. Before Jeremiah was ever born, God said, I had a job for you to do. Before you ever breathe one breath, I already made you a preacher. That's cool, isn't it? <laughs> now, I've heard some kids newly born who'd make great preachers. <laughs> well, anyway, Genesis 25. Genesis 25. I told you we're going to listen to God here for just a little bit. Genesis 25 and verse 20. Genesis 25 and verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, and sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. He prayed for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children, excuse me, I thought they were fetuses. I thought they were embryos. I thought they were morellas. I thought they were blastocysts. I thought they were zygotes. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it's such a blessing, why am I this way? 
And she went to inquire of the Lord herself, and the Lord said unto her, Two what are in thy womb? You got two nations in there. She says, It felt like more than two. <laughs> and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. Look at what God talks about. He says, That's a child in that womb. You know, the Bible doesn't use the word pregnant. Did you ever notice that? You know what it says? She is with child. Can we settle that? Are we a Bible-believing church? All right. All right. Article 40, subsection 3, double subsection 3, says this. The state acknowledges the right to life of the unborn and with due regard to the equal right of the life of the mother. Guarantees in its laws to respect and as far as practicable by its laws to defend and vindicate that right, both rights as one. That is pure brilliance. That is pure brilliance. That is the 1983 amendment inserted into the Irish Constitution. And in other words, it's simply saying that Ireland and the government is forced to solidly, solidly equate the value of the life of a pregnant mother with that of her unborn child, even if it's an embryo or a fetus in the eyes of the mother, even if the mother doesn't want it. It, it may not seem much to you, but that is powerful because it protects the God-given human right of the unborn child to be allowed to live when the will of the mother and when the will of the government is against it. That is brilliant. And every government on this planet ought to take a cue from Ireland instead of making fun of it. Do you know this is the way that slavery was broken? It was broken when governments were forced to value the life of a black man that had been brought from another country and made into a slave because he was or she was seen as not quite human. Finally, Christians, and don't you doubt it, Finally, Christians stood up and said, it's got to stop. You see, some Christians were involved in slavery. Of course, Christians are involved in lying, stealing, embezzlement. They get involved in all kinds of sin. It doesn't make it that we would ever say that that is right. We believe the Bible is right. Amen? Without this protection, only the strongest will rule and survive in Ireland. Do you want that? So let's help keep it this way, folks. How do you do that? Number one, why don't you join with us and go and be a part of 100,000 people marching in Dublin on March 10th. Well, I'll be busy. You liar. You can make yourself unbusy and be up there. You can personally go over to your TD, go right into his office or her office and give them what for. And say, I voted for you. I've got my TD down here in Balancholic. I'm going to go to him and I say, I voted for you on one issue and one issue only, that you would stand against abortion. Are you still against abortion? Amen. You know what they got coming to their office all the time? Angry feminists. It's time they meet, not an angry Christian, but a firm one. Amen. Go and talk to your TD. I, I, I know where Simon Coveney hangs out. I know where he meets with the people. Well, he's going to meet this people. Amen. And I will not be rude, but I will look him in the eyes and I say, I will tell him, please don't do this. Please change your mind. And I will ask him, 
And he may say, well, tell me why, and then I will bring my notes. Talk to your TDs. Write your opinion in the newspaper. Amen. Write the examiner and say, I am for the life of the unborn and the life of the troubled mom. I'm not one side or the other. I'm for both. Amen. Why don't you make this referendum a point of determined prayer for life? Pray for life. Pray for Ireland. You see, if we just sit back and we go, you know what? It's just going to happen anyway. Then it will. But if we make it a matter of prayer, I think God will break our hearts and we'll say, i got to do something. Why don't you win somebody to Christ? you know who can change a heart? Jesus can. If you tell them, you know, the problem is not, not unwanted pregnancies or health or health care or governments. The problem is the heart. Let me tell you what's in all of our hearts, sin. And it will always show itself in a different direction, a different form, but it all needs to be forgiven. Why don't you win somebody to Christ? Why don't you be determined, you know, Lord, I think Ireland needs God. I think it needs Jesus. doesn't need religion. doesn't need more big, ornate churches. You know what it needs? Jesus Christ. Find you a pro-life group that goes out canvassing and get leaflets into the doors and hands of people living near you. Yesterday, there were 4,000 pro-life people out on the streets of Dublin. They've been doing that every week for the last, I want to say, five or six months. 4,000. And you're sitting at home watching Netflix. Shame on us. Why don't you love the angry, hurt, and demanding women who want abortion? Why don't you love them? You meet somebody who's like, how dare you? Show them some love and say, I'm not against you. I'm praying for you. And I hope you change your mind. You know, when they meet somebody like that, it may just shake them to the core. Don't keep your mouth shut is the rule. By the way, ask your doctor to choose life. Tell him, you got in this thing to do no harm, and you've never done me harm. Well, you've hurt me a couple of times. <laughs> anyway, tell your doctor to choose life. Encourage them to man up and say that they're never going to commit abortion. We had a doctor who, in America, who was, uh, who, part of Ekio, uh, who did he deliver? Was it Sharon? Or was it Ruth? Well, no, that was, no, I'm talking about the older doctor. Yeah, I think he did Sharon and Joel. Yeah. You know, he's, we asked him when we first went there, because we could use our kids, you know? He said, do you, do you do abortions? He says, I never will do abortions. <gasps> Thank God. Amen. Amen. Ireland needs young people who will stand up for the weak, the inconvenient, the frail, the tiny unborn lives that will die by the tens of thousands every year if we do nothing. Do people change their minds about abortion? Sometimes it doesn't seem like it, but people do change their minds when they see their world like it really is in their culture as their responsibility to influence and make better decisions with life, with, uh, and make it better with life-giving gospel, the life-giving gospel. You know, when somebody hears about the actual torturous procedures used to terminate the life of the unborn, it'll change their mind. When they learn that the most abortions are for convenience and not for health reasons. When they learn that 9 out of 10 unborn Down syndrome babies are aborted over in England. And when they discover that adoption is a far better alternative. A lot of people change their mind. 
you know, uh, will you change your attitude? You say, I, I, I'm solidly pro-life. Amen. But will you change your attitude that pro-abortion is not inevitable? I was talking to somebody last night. She was nearly in tears. She said, it's, it, it seems like all we're doing is we're walking into walls. I said, no, no, no. You're going to have to change your attitude and just say, no, no, we're doing right. and God will help us. It is not inevitable. It's not a woman's right to decide about herself since it's about two lives and not just one. Change your attitude. And that there are deeper and more fundamental issues than just an unwanted pregnancy. Romans chapter 5, and we're through. Romans chapter 5. Two scriptures and we're done. It has never been easy to be a parent. But I've decided to be very old-fashioned. By the way, when I say old-fashioned, would you understand that I don't believe that everything is, that is old is bad? That includes me. I don't believe that everything that is old is outdated. I've discovered, hey, that the Bible predates the Catholic Church. I decided, I discovered that the Bible predates the Irish state. And it actually goes before all the world wars and all the sicknesses, diseases, and problems of our world. I found that my Bible has answers. As a matter of fact, all the answers that we need. And it tells me that we were made in the image of God. And all are of infinite value to God. And we all have the inalienable right to life. I'm kind of old-fashioned. I stand for the fundamental God-given human right of the unborn to be allowed to live. That's a mouthful, but it is precise. I hope and pray you do too. Because your view of the unborn, because your view of the unborn is really how you view your life, yourself, and ultimately your view of God. We read this at the beginning, Deuteronomy 30, verse 29. God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Hey, remember, God could have aborted us when we were a problem. You're done, Greg. <laughs> when I became a burden and I ruined everything, Yet, he sacrificed himself so that by simple childlike faith, anybody on this planet could be forgiven and live forever, have life more abundant. Go to Romans chapter 5, and we're done. Verse 6 and verse 8. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, think of a little baby. Can't push yourself up. How long does it take for a little baby to, to push and lift its head up? Months, amen? How weak is a little unborn baby? Listen to your Bible. When I was without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8. But God commendeth, love, commendeth, gives his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, we were in the way, we were a mess. Oh, yet Christ died for us. You know, God chose life for you. Jesus chose it. Your mother chose life for you. I don't know if this quote is true, but there's a congressman in America that is said to have said this. Her name is Maxine Waters. She was marching with the Women's March there last year, and she said, I'm marching 
because my mother didn't have the right to abort. I don't know if that actually is true, but I don't doubt that there are people who actually believe that I wish my mother had the right to abort. I'm done. Father, we bow before you, and I don't know how to end this thing, because it's not over. But I feel impressed that this is a necessary message. We kind of get inundated, overwhelmed, we get burned out, listen to all the media, and we need to hear from you today. And we needed to know just how vital this thing is. And we need to, we need to speak up. We need to pray. We need to participate. We need to love a world that's unlovely. It's messed up. And if we love our children, we need to love all children, born and unborn. And we're always going to be the fringe. Lord, we're going to be out of step, but that's okay. So are you. You came unto your own, and your own received you not. But to as many as received you. To them you gave the power to become the sons of God. If this has seemed so strange to somebody this morning, if people in this room struggle with their own value, if they do not know where they would spend eternity, they do not know Jesus in their heart of hearts and believe on him with all their heart that he died and was buried and rose again for them. Not just the catechism, but to be converted and to be born again. If there's somebody that has never heard of the love of God, who died to keep them from dying, who willingly took their place to make them free, pray they would make that decision this morning to trust Jesus Christ, ask him to save them this morning. And every other believer in this room, that we say, I've got a job to do. My life counts. I have a purpose. There's a reason why you've got me in Ireland now for such a time as this. May we make it count. In Jesus' name, amen.